Beautiful, Joel. I knew I could count on you. What's up, everybody? Uh, Episode 7 of The Buzz is kicking off right now. Excuse me. Episode number 8 of The Buzz is actually starting right now. We did 7. We released it a few days ago. I hope you caught that uh, with Seppo Paiu. I now have kidnapped Joel Freeman of Colorado to come sit down and hang out with me today. Joel, hi. Hello, Brian. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and thank you for having me on episode eight, also known as the second seven. The second seven, the better seven. No well, offense to Seppo Paiu, but eight's a pretty nice number. Anyway, I got big <laughs> shoes to fill, all right? <laughs> it's okay. Um, we're still at GMC. I'm just trying to get all the players that I possibly can to sit down with me while I have them all in one place. Um, Joel coming off a kind of a rough second round at the tournament, correct? That is correct. But you're kind of having a great finish to the season so far. And sure. I want the world to know you, and I actually have a few things that I don't quite know about that I want to ask you about. Um, and I've been really enjoying these coming-of-age stories that I've been hearing from a lot of players, and yours might be a little quicker than most. You might have a shorter story, <laughs> uh, especially in disc golf, but we're going to try to get as much out of it as possible. How long have you actually been playing disc golf for? Like competing is whatever. How sure. long have you been playing disc golf in general? Okay. Yeah, that's my disc golf experience um, really starts in 2011, probably earlier than than what a lot of people might think or uh, maybe earlier than what people have heard. Um, I just tried it one day, you know, me and me and a buddy knew nothing, knew absolutely nothing, knew where no courses were located, knew, knew nothing about disc golf. Um, we, we went to a shop. Uh, we, we just looked it up. We, uh, he, he, he approached me one day. He said, Hey, um, buddy of mine mentioned disc golf the other day and it sounded like a fun thing to do. So I want to try it. And I was like, that also sounds very fun to me. Um, I always loved Frisbee. I always loved Ultimate. Um, I'll never forget the day my mom took me in the backyard um, as a as a little toddler. I think I was like five, maybe four or five. She taught me how to throw a Frisbee. I, I had no idea what I was doing. And I did I was she like, did she was she a Frisbee player by chance or did she just have basic knowledge of, of how to do it? It more the basic. No, okay. She, just checking. But to me as a four year old, it looked so good. I was like, how are you doing this with this thing? You know what I mean? And so I'm like, mom, how do you do that? She said, pretend you got a plate of food. You know, that allowed me to envision. I didn't want to spill the food, kept it flat from that day on. I was like really good at Frisbee, That's brilliant. Frisbee related things. Wow. Right. So fast forward all the way back to 2011. Um, I just thought disc golf sounded so fun. The concept to me sounded very fun. Me and a buddy went out, picked up a couple of random discs. You know, I, I, I saw the boss. I was like maximum speed. Oh, you were a frolfer. Oh yeah. Ooh. Okay. Big time. Heavy frolfer. Excuse me. Um, yes. So we looked up like, you know, the nearest course and I took my boss and he took, 
you know, whatever he got. And uh, we ended up playing every single day that entire summer. That was like one of the last days of school. It was maybe second to last day of school. We played every day that entire summer. From that point on, I was I was completely hooked, you know. In 2011, correct? That's what you said? Yep, that was summer 2011. And what was your elevation? I know you're, you're from Colorado. What were you chucking this boss at <laughs> to start your... This could be the, the worst possible start to, to a disc golfer's <laughs> career. It's what everybody fears. Sure. Well, I had played enough Ultimate that I kind of... That's even I, worse, getting well, into the boss? Oh, sure. my gosh. Well, well okay. <laughs> that, was, that was just my personal transition. I had played enough Ultimate that I understood the general physics behind uh-huh. a disc in flat. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, so immediately, you know, I throw the boss flat. I'm like, okay, that I didn't know the word hyzer, but in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, that just hyzered violently to the right. I was throwing sidearm. Uh-huh. I threw all sidearms. I'm like that hyzered aggressively to the right instantly, literally second time I ever mm-hmm. threw a disc. I thought, okay, let me give it this angle. Anheuser. I didn't know the word Anheuser, but uh-huh. let me give it this Anheuser angle so that I give my shot more life. And I immediately... You like, picked it up super quick. Yeah. Second disc golf throw I ever threw was a flex shot, and that doubled my distance. Or That's mind-boggling you know I mean? to me. I've had so many ultimate players when I was the captain at ISU that I tried taking out to play disc golf. I couldn't even get them to throw a Comet correctly. <laughs> right. And, and, and these are amazing Frisbee players. But totally, that's, that's insanely impressive. It's crazy. I don't know. I mean, I think it just has something to do with just my brain. I have a unique brain that makes me really bad at certain things Mm. and naturally good at others. And I think that's could probably be said for just about anybody, but well, (laughs) you know, someone who thinks like that. So just matter of fact, Oh, this dumped out that way. Maybe I should put more angle on it. It's Logic so, and physics. That's all. Just it was understanding to me. the yeah. flight is so impressive. But it sounds like you just naturally have a desire to master things. You like getting good at stuff. I've noticed that about you. You're <laughs> very talented at a lot at a lot of things, and I actually want to get to those more sure. so than your current disc golf career. Sure. Uh, I want to talk about how you got there as a child. Um, where did you grow up? How was what was your childhood like? Um, were you always interested in mastering? those weird little things. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, um, I was actually born in Kansas city, Missouri, which a lot of people don't know. Um, I moved to Colorado when I was seven. So I remember little bits and pieces from, from Kansas city, but, um, but I really think, you know, in my mind, I grew up in Colorado. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, your childhood that you remember is in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um, my parents, um, they both, they actually met at an art institute. So they're both artists. They've been professional artists their whole lives, um, out of college or whatever. And, um, what mediums of art are they, do they specialize or do they do everything or? Yeah. Well, so my dad will do about anything you could name. He's like, it's weird to me that he's not famous because he like, I mean, he is famous in his own way. Like in, in Colorado, he's Colorado famous or whatever. He's well known in our area, but just the, the proportion of his talent to how well known he is, is just like unfair. 
Um, huh. Anyway, so he, he was a cartoonist straight out of college and he went on to work with Hallmark and like designing Whoa. event cards, like birthday cards and things like that. Um, then he, yeah, he's done everything from the, the dream to them, to my parents was to move to Colorado and like paint the mountains and get plugged in with galleries and plane air events and stuff like that. Um, so that's very much what they did. They chased that dream. And, um, so that's what brought us to Colorado. Um, he's done everything from, yeah, like oil on canvas in getting into galleries and things like that to commission work. He's done all kinds of, like you, you explore my hometown and there's all kinds of just murals like on this wall or in the, the exhibit in the library and this one in the firefighters, you know, like hub and, you know, all just different, like he's done all kinds of different awesome projects, not to discredit my mom. She, um, her favorite thing was always to paint dancers. So that's another like huge part of our, our family. I have two brothers and two sisters, so pretty big family. And, uh, the seven of us all love art and we enjoy dance as well. Dance is like another huge part of, um, of us and our kind of passions. Um, my mom's favorite thing was always to paint dancers. So she would take, you know, action shots or whatever of, of dance performances, um, and then put them onto canvas. And so that, that was always her thing. So my mom has this very like abstract, like very artsy, like kind of flair. And my dad's like a little more like, I don't know, conventional, if, if you will, I, with, his, with his professional work. artist essentially yeah. like does. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you just like low key mentioned that you came from a very large family, seven of you. Yep. Um, did that, did that make disc golf attractive to you as a kid? Like, I, I I'm not quite sure how old you were in 2011, but um, coming from such a big family, I know you mentioned to me just in previous conversations, your family, you know, growing up didn't have a ton of money. Um, and you know, you've joked about, you know, your, your current habits with money and whatnot. Um, did that have a lot to do with how you are now and, and how you handle yourself on the road or what was it exactly like? Were you guys super scrapping for money or? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say, you know, there was definitely like a spectrum, um, especially with the nature of what a professional artist does. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, picture you have the painting hanging in the gallery and you know, it's for, it's up for $2,000 painting sales. You have $2,000. And so you're feeling good about finances for a little bit. And then, you know, couple weeks go by with no painting selling and like, you know what I'm saying? So you, so it's inconsistent, but you mm-hmm. are necessarily super duper scrambling for money, but it was, you never knew when it was going to come essentially. Yeah. I'd say at, at times, definitely uncomfortable mm-hmm. at times. Um, I mean, I certainly want to respect my parents, but just like, I'll just say without going into detail, like we had to rely on, friends or, mm-hmm. you know, to pull from external sources, which is just never, 
is embarrassing. You know, it's never something that you want to have to do to call mm-hmm. on your friend, you know, Hey, like, you know, stuff like that. Of course. And I, you know, and I didn't, I, I guess I didn't mean to probe, you know, that directly, but no, no. I think, I think clearly you had enough cause here you are, you know, you, sure. <laughs> clearly yeah. your childhood wasn't lacking in, in too much. But, um, so, so with that said, you know, when you were a kid, what were your biggest interests? Like what were your hobbies? Like clearly you found disc golf in 2011. What were you right, doing? Was right. dance that big of a thing for you when you were a kid? Absolutely. So, yeah. So, I think exactly what we're talking about. Like, it, I'm I'm so when like thinking back, so grateful for the lack of financial comfort, if you will, um, for so many reasons. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm grateful for having. I'm grateful that I had a handful of siblings. Um, that meant that I had to learn to share, be courteous, you know, things like that. So there were definitely like character things, but also things like we didn't own a nice TV. We like we barely owned a TV at all. It barely ever it taught came you gratitude. On. We we barely own we we never owned any sort of video game console. That mm. never like that was always yeah. outside the price range. Like we never owned a trampoline. You know what I mean? So we like all those things that seem super attractive to a young kid, we didn't have that. And so I was left to, well, guess I'll learn how to do a handstand today. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's free and fun and challenging. You know what I mean? (laughs) The day they start charging for handstands. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so I actually, I mean, yeah. So I, I actually went through a period of, of my life, um, I think it was a couple summers specifically, uh, maybe late middle school, early high school age, um, probably more likely middle school. Anyway, I would come up with, I think it was weekly. It was every Saturday this summer, I will learn to do a new thing. That was... That How was the, quaint of you to be on my show. What keep that, going? That was the challenge to, <laughs> that I made to myself, and so it was anything I could come up with, any whatever, like some video on the internet would inspire me to do something, or you know whether it was like like do the hand do a handstand was one of them, juggle was one of them, you know just just the most random stuff you could think of. I'm like I will be able to do this by the end of this week or by the end of this Saturday. Um, and I would just, yeah, I would just practice my guts out and just, you know, and so I just acquired all these fun things. I don't know, like that to me is so much cooler and so much has so much more richness behind it than, you know, mastering this video game. Like I'm mm-hmm. good at smash bro, you know, like, yeah, you like, you like doing things kind of with your hands and hands on with very something much tangible. So. Yeah. It's so funny that you say that. I think that totally speaks to how you were able to pick up that boss and just go, oh yeah, like just more angle, no problem. It sounds like you've cultivated some really good learning habits. Um, just the fact that you're like, I'm going to learn to do this thing and me failing at it doesn't matter because all I want to do is learn how to do it. Sure. Yeah, I think... That's amazing I mean, for golf. Yeah, I mean, I anybody who's close to me, who, who really seriously knows me well... Um, and whatever, this isn't going to sound good. Eh, well, <laughs> I can't, I'm just fact of the matter. Like people just know me as like someone who has a lot of skills at 
thing. Like whether like one you're of the jack most, of all trades, one of the most backhanded compliments I ever got this kid in high school. You're so good at so many things that don't matter at all. Or there's something along those lines. So many useless things like I'm incredible at them or whatever. I like to say that my the thing I'm best at, like my greatest skill yeah. is acquiring skills. That you know what I mean, no, I, I, I think you're yeah, I, I mean, yes, I, you just like, like I said, to learn that's things gonna, that's, that's gonna sound cocky. No, I don't know how no, to no, illustrate no, no. that point with like while sounding more humble. No, it's, it's because you've practiced <laughs> it. Like, no, you say it that it's not something you've been gifted. Like it's the, the fact that you subconsciously built those really good learning habits. It's just going to keep getting easier and easier. And now you've chosen a profession where the learning never ends. There's always new things <laughs> yes. to learn and optimize and ways to clean up your game. I so so now you have this childhood where you've learned all sorts of weird stuff and you've been building these, you know, mental learning habits subconsciously. Yep. You had mentioned to me this was during your childhood. As you got older and, you know, maybe you get to high school. Kevin Jones, when I was speaking to him, said something about, you know, high school kind of being the place where you try to define yourself by something or you try to push yourself sure. in a certain direction sure. yeah. um, to, to get validation from people around you. But what, what was the thing as you got older? Did you specialize at some point in anything or athletics? Like, what were you doing at that time? Sure. So, oh, uh, let's see. So, I would say... um. Yeah, so growing up so many passion like I had I had enthusiasm and passion pulling me in a hundred different directions. Maybe Which more. is horrible for a kid like that Maybe because more. they just don't know what to do. No, I mean I was awesome, but it yeah. just whatever. I mean, so in eighth grade, I tried out for my first musical. Like I like I had oh. I had run I had done track and cross country before that because I was a tiny little Tall, skinny lanky boy. Oh, not even like I was, <laughs> I don't even know if I broke five foot until, Oh, you were tiny boy. I was little guy, little tiny guy. Hmm. Freshman year of, of high school. I think I, I think I grew over a foot just in a year. Whoa. It was nuts. Anyway. So eighth grade, I tried out for my first musical. I had always, I was always a runner just cause I was skinny and, the coaches felt like I would be good at it. So I was, Oh, sure. I'll do that. I was naturally decent, but never. I remember it was the day that I got 55th in the state of Colorado or something like that. I mean, 55th is pretty good. Like there are a lot of really good athletes in Colorado. And so that's, that really wasn't a bad number, but I'm like 55th. Like who gives a rip about 55th place? You know what I'm saying? So that was the moment where I kind of started to, opened my mind to other things, tried out for my first musical and it was like the most fun thing I had ever done in my life. I loved the triple threat between singing, acting and dancing. Like that was just so fun to me. Yeah. It sounds like you can apply a million of those different skills that you've acquired over the years. Exactly. And then mix it with the exhilarating performance acts aspect, you know, the, the light, the stage lights in your face and the audience and the reactions and all like I just loved that. I just fed off of that. Did you did you do that in high school as well? Yeah. So that led into a huge like kind of pursuit of 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 music, 
I was the choir kid. I was the musical kid, whatever, you know, I, I had all these background roles in, you know, freshman year. And then those background roles, you know, turned into supporting roles. And then the, you know, little by little, like by senior year, I played like, I don't know, three, five, like lead roles, like roles that I dreamed about a couple of years prior. And, um, it was the most fun thing ever, you know, and then that all came to a screeching halt in college. What happened? So I didn't, uh, I didn't feel like I, I knew I didn't want to do theater. I didn't want to pursue as theater as a career option. You know what I mean? I knew it was just this fun thing, but I knew that I didn't want it to be my career. And so at that point, I kind of just stuck it in my back pocket as a fun hobby. Mm-hmm. And I still like auditioned for for a couple of shows or whatever, but they, you know, why would a college let a guy in who's not even in their program? Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, that kind of motivation kind of, yeah, kind of just fizzled bit. out. Yep. So then what did college look like for you? What, where did you go? What was your, what was college Joel like? So <laughs> college Joel was, so the thing, <laughs> the thing I kind of mentioned in passing about how, my brain works in a certain way, which makes me good at certain things and really bad at other things. One of the things I'm very bad at is school is classroom. Mm. Joel in the classroom, not a great fit for college, (laughs) right? Yeah. Classroom. Joel's brain doesn't, it doesn't, uh, doesn't turn out well. So is it a natural, just a distaste for being told what to do, (laughs) which is fine to say. No, 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 no. It's a, um, I, I, we, we could get into this. Oh, I have a learning disability, so we could go okay. down that trail if you want. If but, you want. Um, I guess without going into detail, it's just that I don't, my, my reading comprehension is extremely low mm-hmm. um, and words on a page look or sound a lot alike. How do, how do I phrase this? Um, I see words on a page and I, I understand fully each word individually, but they aren't cohesively connected. Same scenario happens in a lecture. It's just like a giant page. It's just a wall of words. And so I have really hard time comprehending things and taking away anything. Um, Make it just makes a classroom really difficult for me personally to function. Oh yeah. No, I I can imagine. I think there are, um, there's actually a book that I would, hugely recommend called the eight great smarts. Um, the number eight great smarts. And it's all about how when you, the, the idea of you ask a person, how smart are you? Or are you smart? That's not the right question. The right question is how are you smart? Everyone mm-hmm. is smart. It's just a matter of how, and I know that could sound cheesy, no, you know, but I'm all ears, man, I think legitimately like, people's brains function in different ways and they thrive in different environments. Absolutely. And the classroom is just simply one of those environments. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the logic and the word, those, those are, so there are eight different categories. Two of them are, and I'm paraphrasing like logic smart, Mm -hmm. which like is like math, science, that, that kind of stuff and word smart. And that's like, you know, reading, writing, 
whatever else. Um, those are only two of the eight. And so yeah. if you if you got those two, you'll, you know, school will do well for You're you. You're speaking but, to an equally poor student. Sure. I, <laughs> sure. I don't know how I got a college. I got out, but yeah. Anyway. So yeah. I tangent. Sorry. But um, yeah. So things didn't go great. Like, school wise, but I loved the experience, yeah. loved the environment. You know, I had friends like I'm, I'm an extrovert. So I, so I like being in a dorm yeah. where I had people around me constantly, like whether I wanted them to be or not, that was like, that was, that was life. Yeah. It was life giving to me. Um, and basically that's where like disc golf, disc golf really came in and hit hard School wasn't going so well. Disc golf was really fun and was going well. I like didn't, you know what I mean? Like I didn't. Uh, it kind of came in at the right time. It did. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was a big timing. It's funny thing. how that works. For sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, college not going well, disc golf starting to go well. You joined the PDJ in 2015. Did you play tournaments prior to 2015? I played two, if I remember okay. right. Yeah. So, um, first tournament I ever played was a. <laughs> this is awesome. I I love this story. Like, it's such good memory. So, first tournament I played <clears throat> was a C tier. Uh, it was twenty fourteen lunacy in uh, in Longmont, Colorado. So it was about thirty minutes from my parents' house where I grew up. Um, I. I mean, I just liked disc golf. And so I like started doing a little bit of digging and I was like, whoa, there's there's a tournament for disc golf where I can like compete and see how I, you know what I'm saying? So so I sign up for this thing. It's like 50 bucks. I'm like, this is 50 bucks. I better, you know, I better do well and get my money's worth. So for like two months, I played, <laughs> it was on two courses. I played these courses every day. <laughs> Every day for two months in preparation. It's so funny to look back on because like I didn't know what a league was. I didn't know anything about I was I was just like, this is this is a big deal. I'm competing at of a course. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. So it was so cool. Um you what know, did little, you sign up for division wise? Open. I was like, <laughs> yeah, like I well, because here's the thing, because I like I had looked up YouTube videos and stuff. And I watched, you know, Paul, Nico, Will Schustrick, and you know, all these guys. I'm like, I'm like, I could, I could do what these guys are doing with a little bit of hard work and a little <laughs> bit of training and stuff. Um, Professional so I, athletes. <laughs> I mean, I don't, no whatever. Problem. The eyes don't lie. Like I was watching what they were doing. I was like, I can do that stuff. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I yeah, I it. sign up. I was like practicing. I've like kind of met locals along the way because they're like, what the heck? We, we've never seen you before. And then now you're here every day. Um, tournament starts and I've been shooting my practice rounds. I've been shooting like 12 to 14 under on, you know, through 18 holes on this course. So like it was pretty, pretty blue level course or whatever. tournament. Yeah. And so I'm like, so I'm like, okay, anything like 12 or more will be great. Like that was my goal. I was like tournament time. And people kept telling me, like, you know, oh, what's your goal? I'm like, I, I would love to shoot like 12. They're like, whoa, <laughs> first man. tournament. They're like, whoa, this is tournament golf. I'm like, what does that mean? I'm like, we're playing the same course, aren't we? Like, yeah, yeah, but you don't understand. It's tournament golf. I'm like, 
oh, okay. <laughs> so day comes, I shoot nine. I'm putting out Terrible, on the last dude. hole, <laughs> nine under. I'm like, ah, like that's all right. Like I'm just, I just hope I'm like top five, you know, like I'm sure there are guys out here that I've never heard of who are really good scores come in and I'm, I'm leader in the clubhouse. I shot a 10, first turn. I shot round. a 10 24. Your first round yeah, in first general. sanctioned round was a 10 24 and we, we could look that up because I'm not sure if that's exactly right, but it's something. What anyway, year did you play the tournament? 2014 lunacy. 14. So we should, we can actually look that up now that like get the actual real numbers, make sure I keep my facts, you know, in check, but Joe, Joe Revere was there. Eagle was there and I was in the lead, which is, <laughs> which is crazy. Joe Revere and, and Shoestrick, you said Eagle, Eagle, Eagle McMahon. McMahon. Before anyone like uh, I shouldn't say before anyone knew who he was. He was he was rated just over a thousand at the time. Eagle was yeah as like an infant. Yep. Yep. As, Let, a, as a little guy. I found the tournament. I'm pulling it up right now. Okay. Let's hope 2014 lunacy. Yeah. I'm hoping that the uh, the 1024 number holds up. I'm hoping that the Vermont Internet allows it to open. Oh, I me. see. Um, but I as this is loading. Mm hmm. I, I, I'm not surprised that just the way you talk about things um, and the way you talk about learning things, it's not a surprise that you picked it up quickly. And obviously, you were fascinated by it. Yeah. The sport absolutely. in general. Me and my bosses. Did you know at the time who Joe Revere was and how, and like t- to a scale, how? dominant he's been for that long in Colorado. For those of you who don't know him, uh, people who are listening to this that are maybe new to disc golf, Joe Revere is insane. And he's, if he toured, he'd be, what do you think, top 15 in the world? Potentially an, top 10? He's an absolute legend. He's, I mean, he's like an unknown legend. If he was on tour, I think top 15 is is honestly a little weak. Like, I, I would think he would be easily top 10. And he's so intense to play with, and I've played with. I love Joe Joe to death, and I, you know, huge shout outs to him. But when you play with him in tournament, you'll watch him throw a perfect shot in your eyes, and he turns around pissed off, and you're like, "Are you that zoned into the shot that even if it's an inch off, it's not perfect?" Like he's he's yeah, big time. I mean, he he and I like, I have so much in common with him in that in that way. Like I'm I'm very much a perfectionist. And I'm very much competitive. And so I totally understand that. Like I I'm getting better at it. I'm working my way out of this habit for a long time, though I was known for just like reacting to every single shot. That's what your first impression was on me. I was like, holy cow, he must be playing with Joe Revere too much in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So maybe some of that rubbed off. But yeah, point is, yes, Joe's an absolute machine. He I'm, I, but did I you have an idea how good he was at the time? I I had no idea the scale. I had no idea who he was. I was just like, oh, this guy shot a nine under. You know, you know, he's we're competing for the win. You know, I don't know. He's just as good as I am, I guess. Or you there's know, the there are the stats from the tournament hey, in 2014. I, Joel on Freeman, the nose, ten twenty four. Yeah, very good memory. Joe Revere ended up 
winning the tournament by <laughs> a lot. Seven strokes. Not Seven. surprised. Okay, I w- I would have sooner guessed seventeen, but because he he does that. But like Joe, I mean, when I first when I first started playing disc golf and played with Joe almost every weekend, like I I swear like there was a two month period where he didn't miss inside sixty feet. Like he's he's robotic. Like it's yeah. You you just assume. It's kind of like the, oh, if I get the right year, 2016 Ricky, where it's like if he can see the basket, the next shot's going in. Yeah. You know, essentially. The physical competence is absolutely ridiculous. It's crazy. But again, Joe Revere is another one of those people from Colorado, I guess in general, that loves mastering things. I heard he's like yeah. insane mountain biker. I think he like either was on the Olympic team for skiing or like was training for it. He's a ridiculous skier. Like another person who kind of has this learning process figured out mixed with an incredible athletic ability and competitiveness. So that's who you had to deal with. Definitely. Competing yeah. in Colorado. Definitely. So, I, and you say deal with, but like to me, Joe is a massive part of, of, why I've found any sort of success in disc golf because immediately, literally the first tournament I ever competed in, I immediately got a very up close look at what it truly looks like to be an elite level, like the top level. Yeah. What an amazing place to start competing. Yeah. Such a treat. Cause I'm, cause when I, when I watch him shoot 14 under in my face, I'm like, wow, I'm losing strokes to this yeah. guy and every like this is what a real disc golfer like this is what a big time yeah. professional level disc golfer is like. And so immediately I had you knew your mark that to picture. Hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, there it is. If Let I me get to work. Him. Let me get to work and yeah, and, <laughs> and see if I can. And my goal, this is kind of crazy. My goal ever since I like kind of got a, some sort of handle on like what disc golf mm-hmm. actually was. I was like, I need to get my rating higher than the first rating I ever got. And it happened like a, one month ago. Really? <laughs> yeah. What was your first PDGA rating? 983, I think. Let's do- wow, you are on the ball. May of 2015, 983 rated. That is impressive. Um, and you've only, so you joined in 2015 and you started playing tournaments yep. and you were cashing right away. You, I think you played GBO and then you did, you know, got like 42nd, which is still not bad for a first second NT tournament experience. ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In an NT at that, you quickly pushed forward and, and started touring within what, two years, two, three years. You made yeah. an entire life shift for sure. I mean that that's. I mean, me going to GBO, I mean, that was like the closest huge tournament that I knew about. And so I just signed up. Like, I'm like, let's see how I stack up. Let's see what what work I have cut out for me. And yeah, I got 40 something and I'm like, man, okay. Like, I can do this. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if, if, if I can get 42nd, my first big event, then like sure with a little bit of work yeah i'll be able to like wow be able to tour you know what i mean that it's 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 just crazy because uh, i think so many people look at touring disc golfers and they have to think that 
you know, this is a huge leap to, to throw everything, you know, throw caution to the wind and just hit the road and say, I'm going to play a niche sport that might not be sustainable Definitely. full time. Definitely. 2017 well, was that first year for you to, to be fair. Uh, I, if you look, I, I really started playing consistently, uh, September, 2015. That was really uh, in my mind. Okay. I started playing like competing in tournaments September 2015. So that tail end, I caught a few events at the end of the season. Uh Uh-huh. And then 2016 was that first big, big full year for me. 2016, I did the Colorado tour and the Colorado is awesome because it has, um, you know, you're able to play just about every weekend. Um, Colorado's got a big enough disc golf scene um, that, yeah, that you can go to town. You can do the Colorado tour. Uh, you can play nearly every weekend. And so, yeah, I traveled out to a couple events. I hit Memorial, um, Casey wide open, you know, some of those that were within my little thousand mile radius yeah. of home, so to speak. Um, but yeah, really a lot of, I just, I just filled up with a lot of Colorado tournaments. I got my first win ever, um, in, in open, in open and ever, on my what sixth event ever or something. I won my C tier in my like local town uh, shot hot round all the rounds with uh, two or three rounds or something um, average. I don't I mean we could go back. Why not? Let's let's look real quick or maybe the yeah. Okay. Averaged about 1030 second year 1034 1011 1046. So yeah, a little over 1030. Anyway, Colorado tour. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got second at an A tier and you know, got some had some good. I won a B tier. Um, you know, so that was some confidence boosting along with a couple little mixed in kind of tour events. But and- Joel, two years on the PDGA <laughs> and then 2017 you go I will make this my job. Right. And you actually, you had mentioned that you had some college debt at yes. the time. So, so what is, what is going through your head when you do that? Like, did you have a plan or did you just say, screw it? I'm going to, we'll figure it out. In my mind, it was what I was best at. It was like, like, this is the thing that I'm best at. And I know, you know, Paul Macbeth makes well over six figures. Like he's figured out how to do it. And so I'll start working on it and, you know, I'll work my way to that too. Like it's what I'm best at. It's my best in my mind, like best all around career option, like in with most fun and most like practical kind of straddling. You know what I'm saying? So it to me was the best option. And I think, and these dates I won't be able to just pull straight out of my head, but at some point I kind of like I was working at Chipotle and I kind of like had my job with them kind of on the back burner and then like went on tour for a little bit and kind of had them to fall back on mm-hmm. if I needed to. And I did at one point, I like went out, played a few events and I was like, whoa, like the, like I don't have enough saved up. This isn't working. I'm losing money instead of making mm-hmm. it. Went back, worked for another, was that in 2017, know, four months, six months or something. Was that your I first year so. on tour? I think so. And then I like, trial two, then I knew it was up and I had like people to help me. 
that's that's a huge yeah. part is the community and had people to help me and like whatever second time it worked and I haven't gone back since my man well I mean <laughs> so so I actually want to talk about this um, college debt and I we yeah. don't need to talk too much about the, the sure. debt itself but like right. not too many players on tour ha- you know are are. <laughs> trying to make this their best career option while also paying off the student loans. And that's a thing that a lot of people ask about when anyone tells them that they're a professional disc golfer. We're like, well, we're like what are your expenses? Like, do you, yeah. like, do you have anything that you need to pay money for? <laughs> right. You, from my experiences traveling with you and staying at different places with you, you definitely are extremely disciplined with your money. Yeah. Is that because of your upbringing or, or is it that just because of your matter of fact mindset of like, well, <laughs> if I need to pay this off, I got to be stingy. What, what, what exactly that's, are your biggest strategies? That's observant of you. I think it's, I, I think it's very much a, a mixture of both and a mixture of a lot of things, frankly. Um, I think, yeah, number one, uh, my parents not only raised us to be creative, um, manage our money well, um, be disciplined, but I think to be disciplined in general is just a very healthy thing. That's, I mean, to me, that like discipline is just such a useful kind of value or skill or whatever you want to call it. It's such a valuable thing. Um, it'll allow, it'll open so many doors for a person. If you can be disciplined with something, I mean, that like that's where great greatness is born in my in my head is is usually uh, behind discipline. I mean that's that's like it's a huge deal in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean when you're when you're on the road, obviously that discipline is a big deal. Um, but what exactly like? I guess I'll mention a couple things. Like I, whenever we're at a place going out to eat or something, you're always the one that says, "Nah, I'm okay." Like, and you make your, you know, bean burritos that you bought from the store and you, you know, make them in bulk and then that's how you eat for like days at a time. Yep. It's impressive. And yeah. it's hard to stick to it on the road because, you know, sometimes you have a rough tournament or you have a rough round and you're like, man, I just want a cheeseburger right now, yep, you know, sure. but um, it's just very commendable to watch you, you know, especially, and you said you've paid off your college debt. Yeah. Since yeah. Then. So, yeah. So I think, I think in terms of just like practical ways, like, um, of, yeah, that just that I personally have managed money. Um, one huge, huge part is the host situation. Like I've been fortunate enough to be able to find a host in almost every city I've played in for the past two years. So like I have enough connections and, and to me, that's my favorite part. Like I can make as much, Absolutely. I mean, I can be Paul Macbeth or have five world titles and make millions or whatever. And I will still seek out those host situations because that's my favorite part of touring. Yeah. My favorite part of touring is, is forming those new relationships, uh, you know, meeting the locals and going to the league night and checking out all the whatever stuff, like the, the local mm-hmm. knowledge and you know, all that good stuff. Um, that to me is that that's that's it's a priceless. huge deal. Yeah, it's so that's the, the best part. The disc golf community is phenomenal, and and the thing is, you know, if you are a good player, like it makes like 
it makes it easier to find hosts. And I don't think it's yeah. just because they want to be in with the the pros. I think it's, you know, if someone is doing something that you love and they're doing it amazingly and it's inspiring to you, of course you want to be around inspiring people. So I think, you know, you growing as a player is also going to help you get those uh, connections. You Absolutely. Know? And, yeah. and I, I, I just, I think it's great to have you on here because I know there's a lot of people that wonder like, how the heck do these people tour? How yeah. do you, how are you able to do yeah. this? Um, yeah, I seriously think it just has so much to do with just my parents, just how they raised me and just their mentality on just life and, and whatever, you know, I, I think, um, another, like I, uh, you mentioned food, food, like, this probably sounds weird to a lot of people, but just food is an important thing to me. Like, it's just a big deal. Um, my mom is a, like, she's, she actually phased out of art a few years ago and kind of into health, nutrition, wellness. Like, so she's like a nutritionist and health coach and like all that good stuff. Um, but that all before she got any sort of like training or certification or whatever, she, it started with a passion, just with a passion of just like, I want to take care of my body. Well, I want my body to function well for a long time. Um, I want to do what I can to whatever, to help myself out and take care of myself. And, uh, so nutrition and like that whole world was, Mm -hmm. was huge to me. And so that's for me, that's like, it's a, it's a bonus. Like it goes hand in hand. Me not eating out is both an effort to save money and to eat better, like better, better quality meal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yes, it takes a little bit extra time. Um, that's just my like personal decision. Like it's, it's worth it to me. Well, and especially like you said, like you might not have had as much money saved up as some other people on tour. So, right you kind of have to do what you got to do. And, and I think this lifestyle is very, um, I guess the way you have to buy into it is very specific. Unless you sure. saved up thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, do you no, really yeah. have to buy I, into a specific lifestyle? And it's not for everybody. Right. Is, is this lifestyle for you? Are you enjoying the traveling and the nomadic lifestyle or does it get old sometimes? I would, well, okay. Yes and no. Uh, I would say, Honestly, no, I'm not like built for what I'm doing. Um, Most people I don't aren't. so much enjoy like the quality of life, I guess. Um, having said that, there are parts like I wouldn't be out here unless it was worth it to me. Of you course. know what I'm saying? And so, yes, there are sacrifices. There are also really awesome parts. There's there are parts, parts sure. that I am built for. One thing, one of those things is just that I'm. Uh, I'm very like, I'm, I'm, I'm fine to roll with the punches. Like I, I can take whatever's coming at me. It won't freak me out. Like, it, you know, like I, I can fly by the seat of my pants, you know, that in that sense, I was built for it. But, but yeah, kind of like you're saying, like going back to saving up before tour, I, I went on tour at first. I had like Three hundred dollars uh-huh. in, in my bank account. I've met a lot you know of I mean? people like that. That's crazy to me. And well, yeah, I mean, it is kind of nuts, but <laughs> that's like to me. Okay, I quit my job at Chipotle. That was a big turning point to me because it was like, okay, I'm I'm cutting this off. Like this isn't a safety net anymore. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, 
I'm going to work hard. I'm mm-hmm. going to go do field work. I'm going to like putt for hours. Yeah, there's and, no room for failure. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, and so that kind of, uh, but, but in terms of all the money stuff, like the, the financial, the, the money management stuff, like I would cut expenses down as much as possible and just anything that I didn't need and I do literally mean mm-hmm. need, mm-hmm. I would dump it into the student loans. Yep. And so then what, like two and a half years out of college or something. Got it I, done. Yeah. Balance down to zero. That's very comforting to hear. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting every year on tour, you see a new group of people start the season out, yep. like, you know, bright eyed, like I'm ready to make this happen. And then halfway yep. through the season, they're gone. Yep. And uh, not saying that they're terrible players, but either the road life was wearing on them or they did run out of savings. And it's it's crazy if you don't have the successes right away and the Definitely. big contract and whatnot. It's it, it goes away quick. You really have to buy in for the long run. And Definitely. it sounds like you have. It sounds like you've bought, bought into the lifestyle for sure. And um, after a very quick stint... You know, as a PDGA member, we're sitting here in 2019, and you're still going, and you're getting better. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, and I, I would like to just squeeze in like, Innova, huge part of why oh, of I'm course. able to. You know what I mean? Like any anybody, Innova, Black Ace Gear, um, Infinite, Elevate Chiropractic. Those those are my four sponsors right mm-hmm. now. Any anybody out there, um, them specifically, but. But anybody who's who's been willing to partner with me in some way and help me out, like that's why I don't have college loans, like exactly. college loan debt. Anyway, like they made that happen. Yeah, uh, you and, know, and you made it happen you with know, them for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's why I do. I say partnered. Obviously, it was a you know two way street. Yeah, but. I mean, and big shout outs. Do you still have whales in stock? In stock, I last I heard, Infinite Infinite Discs uh, still had some. Uh, that was a little a little while ago. I think a couple good. months ago. Um, so you might be able to find some on on Infinite Disc website. Um, if not, I have like the last few, but, and I will throw them forever. So, well, go snag yourself a whale if you can find one. Uh, last, you know, thing I really want to talk to you about. Um, is present, Joel. Is I mean, you've had this really a, a great career with some really high highs, and obviously there are the struggles in between, but you seem to have grown as a player, and you've stayed comfortable on the road. You haven't really let up at all um, since you kind of found your second wind, as you said. Yep. Um, present, Joel, you're playing pretty good to finish the season out. You just shot a 17 under at the Nantucket course in a yep. hurricane, which is impressive. Um, what is your, what is your routine like these days in 2019? Well, are you as disciplined or are you more like going with the flow now that you've caught your stride? Well, I think in terms of, I think in terms of routine, um, I've kind of gotten, I've kind of got it down now by now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I've been around long enough that I, I've figured out what it looks like to roll into town, find the right grocery store, 
you know, pick up my stuff, whatever, settle up, make the, you know, I eat this, I've eaten the same breakfast every morning for like two years. Is that big tub of yogurt? Is that what you're referring to? Well, okay. For anybody, again, anybody who knows me knows I eat a lot. Um, Ideally, ideally it is six eggs, uh, three slices of turkey mixed in, you know, with the eggs, a handful of spinach, half a pint of yogurt with one clementine and about three ounces of granola. And you're like, what, 105 pounds? (laughs) My man. (laughs) It's it's not far (laughs) off. Um, But yeah, and yeah, in terms of routine, I would say I actually have found a way to like feel comfortable, you know, to to feel like I'm doing life the way I want to, instead of life doing me, it's becoming optimized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of the good play, the you know the recent hot streak or whatever. Um, on one hand, yes, I celebrate that, and I have been doing well uh, last few weeks, and I'm super grateful, excited that I have um, stepped up and kind of proved myself as as a threat out here on tour. And, um, however, on the other hand, I lost all those tournaments in, exactly. I, in my mind. Yep. I'm, you're still making mistakes. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I didn't win any of Like yeah. I haven't won since well, like months ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, in my mind, like it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of, okay. These weekends have been awesome. It's been mm-hmm. so cool to play on lead card, to get on film a handful. Like I broke my record five filmed rounds in a row, which is so cool. I had to do, had a lot to do with the fan vote. Thank you for anybody who, who voted for me uh, and made that happen. But, but yeah, like then I kind of come back and I'm like, okay, but what's the next step? I I didn't win. I didn't win. Like I'm, I'm trying to play for the win. I got third. I got third again and I got second. Yeah, I'm trying to get first. So I, it, it, yes, it's good, but like I'm still. Well, right now, are you grinding field work and putting sessions, or are you still just trying to preserve the mindset that you have now and uh, keep pushing with it? Because sometimes you know, it, it's like if you find your putt, you don't want to mess with it too much. Sure, you know, um, there I are think... a lot of pro golfers that say like if they're feeling good, they barely go to the range sometimes. Like sure, totally. Yeah, I I think it's totally a balance. I think it's very much a balance. Um, and you that is part of to me, that's part of being a professional is is making those judgments. Okay, this is the type of thing that I can tweak right now, that I can change, that I can work on, that I can develop. This is the kind of thing I need to protect and I need to just Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah, definitely a little bit of everything. Like I know probably the common thought is that we on the road have a ton of like time on our hands and I don't know what other people would say, but that is not the case for me. Like I, I, it's pretty frantic. I keep myself very busy. Um, the way I like kind of paint that picture is like, I, I, I take one day a week off. I try to do that. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty important. So let's say Monday is the day off two days. Tuesday is the travel day. Wednesday and Thursday are practice days. That's only two days to practice. Mm-hmm. And if you're playing multiple courses, that gets 
that already when is your slim. body can only handle and so then, much practice per day anyway. Yeah. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday tournament days. Exactly. Then the cycle starts over. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, okay, For there's like 30 weekends a lot of, out of the year. Yeah. There's not a lot of yeah. wiggle room in there for me to fix something. Yeah, yeah. To like do a whole lot, you know? And so again, I think it's a balance of just mm-hmm. like how much do I want to press and like do this or that. I'm, I'm just saying I personally as a player, whatever, as a human, as a mm-hmm. competitor, I do need to be careful right now um, to not get complacent because I have had a couple good weekends yeah. um, and I think it would be easy to like, oh yeah, check out a few weeks early in my seasons. Like nope. I, I finished strong already, but and then but like bomb, bomb the last yep. cut. Co- yeah, like I'm I'm trying to you're trying to. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to keep the foot on the gas. Yeah. Um. Until, until I've won a hundred events in the row, a yeah. hundred events in a row. Yeah. And I'm the highest rated player ever. I like. I've got work to do. You know? Oh man. So. Joel. Brian. Thanks, dude. Thanks for coming on. The pleasure is all mine. Thank well, you, sir. Yeah. And uh, again, if you're listening to this and you have not yet subscribed to the Buzz Podcast on any platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, I'm on a bunch of other ones, but I don't know exactly what they are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hit the subscribe button. It'll only help me bring more of these to you in the future. Um, Joel, good luck tomorrow. You are one of my favorite strange human beings. <laughs> And uh, any f- closing words? Well, yeah, definitely. I th- I I would say thank. I'll, I will say thank you to you very much for for inviting me in on all this. And as genuinely as I can, I want to thank everybody tuning in right now. Um, anybody who took the time to listen to all that nonsense um, to to support you to support me. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, it means a ton and it's it's half the reason why all of us are out here we we feed off the energy and the support um from the awesome people of the world so thank you all i still don't have a closing phrase so uh bye <laughs> <laughs>